Hello, Brian's and possibly not Brian's. This is all the Brian's where a Brian interviews Brian's, and this is the first episode with three whole Brian's, a Briangle, if you will. As I interviewed two Brian's who both work at the film studio Illumination MacGuff in Paris. And this episode is brought to you by the Impossible Burger and Hi Fi Video Conferencing, two companies of two more Brian Buds, Brian Mary and Brian Muji. Sorry for pronouncing that wrong. Uh, those Brian's introduced me to the Briangle term, saying it started at their local college bar when they'd see another Brian and huddle up in a triangular formation and chant pro Brian things. <laughs> Uh, well, now they're both in Redwood City, California, working at those companies. So please support the Impossible Burger with your mouth and hi-fi video conferencing with your face. And now it's time for the Briangle in Paris. Brian and Brian, thank you for taking a break from production at uh, Illumination MacGuff. Is that you pronounce it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. MacGuff. Okay, yeah. to talk to all the Brians in the first ever Brian Roundtable. Slash Briangle slash Try Brian episode with multiple Brians. Um, can you just first tell us your names to differentiate all the Brian voices that are here, uh, and also what you do? So we're just kind of go in a round table here. Okay. Well, my name is Brian Padilla. Padilla. Okay. Um, and I'm a compositor, an image compositor, not a music compositor. Okay. Uh, I'll explain what that is later. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I've been at Illumination Makeup for almost four years. Uh, my name is Brian Baxter, okay. and uh, I work in the surfacing department. Yeah. So I make all of the clothes for the characters, uh, the clothing, the jeans, the, the t-shirts. So specifically the clothing? I, I'm, basi I'm basically like, like a couturier, <laughs> like a, a cartoon character couturier. Okay. And uh, yeah, I've been doing that for years, like uh, well, three years in France. Okay. Long, so. so you... So for everyone listening, the Brian with the British accent is the... Irish. Irish? Yeah. Okay, I, yeah. I don't always have those right in my head. <laughs> yeah. with the Brian with the Irish accent is the, uh, the surfacer for clothing. The Brian with the uh, other Brian with the American accent is the compositor. Okay. Compositor would be like VFX artist. It would be easier for people listening at home. Because okay. And we'll, and we'll get more into the, the details of what you guys do, but uh, so I guess the very first question is, does Illumination just have an army of Brian's, like, slash Brian minions working there? How many Brian, more Brian's are there doing their bidding? Um, there's, well, at the minute, we're roughly, we're roughly between seven and eight hundred. Uh, eight hundred Brian's? People, no, just, okay. just normal people. <laughs> um, and then out of that, we're the, we're the only two Brian's. So there's one for... 400. Yeah, that's, that's the one a, for 400. That's a rough ratio. 400, okay. You guys work in separate departments, it sounds like, so you don't even, like, work together, right? No, we don't even, don't, uh, yeah, we don't have any handoffs or anything like that. But we have, this is the first time we've actually met. So. First time you've met? Oh, man, so we're reuniting yeah, Brian. Right, so. On the podcast. It's, it's beautiful. It's really beautiful. <laughs> I think this is, I mean, it's interesting because it's like, you, it's a giant film com studio that's outside of, like, Hollywood, but it's still part of Hollywood because it's, you know, it's part of Universal. Yeah, well, we were, we were bought by Universal Pictures. But it's interesting because, in, at least in the United States, it's like, I think most people that have seen these movies because it's, it's yeah. the studio that's it's responsible for, like, the Despicable Me and Minion movies, like the Secret Life of Pet movies that you mentioned, and now it's like, big Grinch movie coming up. Most people don't, like, aren't aware it's a French yeah, company. No, 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 they, yeah. they, they don't realize. Yeah, even I, actually, for the first couple years where I was working in the field, I didn't know that that all the Despicable Me films and everything were being done in France. Yeah, it's like, it's, it's 
I think most most at least Americans have no idea. I think at least. But often, if you go back and watch some of the films, you'll see a lot of uh, hidden Easter eggs in the films. Um, in Pets, for instance, like on the wall, you'll see pictures referring to Paris and yeah. you know things like that. Yeah, how many? Like films or projects, are you guys working on at once at any given time, or are you? Well, we we usually stay on one film until its completion. So, are you guys both on the Grinch right now? Uh, we're on separate films. He's on Grinch. Uh, I'm okay. on uh, Secret Life of Pets too. Oh, okay, the cool. Sequel, the sequel to that. And uh, we'll usually usually be like uh, around 18 months. Will be a production cycle. Okay. So yeah, so it's quite a long time. But I think like when most people watch these movies, you'll watch it and you'll be like in awe of it, just like the, the just like the beauty of what's on screen, and you just have no idea like how does this actually get made, kind of a thing. So I guess I'm wondering how does a compositor and a surface artist like how do they fit into the big picture of like animating the movie? I'm all the way at the end. Uh, I'm sort of at the beginning and near the middle. Yeah. But at the very, very beginning, you will have the uh, the story writers who will yeah. come up with a cool idea for the story. And what's interesting is that people think the story gets written in its entirety at the beginning, but it's often there's often a lot of rewrites, even right up to the last minute. And so that, that requires revisions the whole way along the pipeline. But you start with the writing, and then you have the storyboard artists will block in everything that's written in the script. Um, and then you'll have like a, like a 3D storyboard that's done on top of that with basic models. Okay. Then we'll have the models themselves will be, will be built, the characters, the props, the scenery, all of that. And then it's our department, the surfacing department, that takes the models and then we uh, cover them with uh, like photographic and hand-drawn imagery uh, to bring them to life, to make them look real. Um, and then it passes on to the animation department and makes everything move around. Um, and then we pass it to the lighting department Adding all the lights. They add in all the yeah. lights. They render uh, out what we call passes, or um, what we call passes, but we call layers. Sort of like if you know Photoshop, there's a yeah. bunch of layers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically, we take an image and we decompose it in the beginning yeah. um, to have a lot of different uh, layers, and that we can re-put together, composite, yeah. back together. And that's where my job comes in. I co I come in and I actually tweak. Um, everything from the colors to the depth of field to the flares to the basically anything the director wants in post uh, after everything has been done I can do well, I can do within reason but uh, yeah. we, we do so the, the, the director can ask us for certain things he wants a little bit of more sparkle in the eyes or uh, a little bit of more warmth in the shot uh, that's what I do. So yeah, I just sort of tweak everything uh, at the end. So for the sur for surfacing artists, like I, yeah. this what I read online was just that they surfacing artists add texture and color to the 3D characters, environments, and props yeah. um, to enhance their visual feels. Like yeah, just purely like like making the texture look kind of like believable yeah. or like beautiful. Like, so like pretty much our, our department is um, we're surfacing characters. So we're uh, a subdivision of the of the assets department. Mm -hmm. The assets department uh, that constitutes everything, like the backgrounds, the props, character models, all of that. So specifically, what we do is uh, we take the clothing that has been modeled, yeah, and then we, we take it and we sculpt it so it has creases in it and it, it looks it looks more natural on the models. Um, and then we add texture to it. You know, we add like linen, denim, uh, you know, different sorts of materials like that. And then we we do what's called shading on top of that, where we add in sort of real life physical uh, parameters 
to make make things look real, make things look shiny, make things look dull, or you know, we and then we take reference from the real world. So we have a whole lot of regular clothing in in the office that we look at. Oh, really? You have like yeah. the actual like outfits that you can kind yeah, of like yeah, yeah. sketch from, or yeah, yeah. like uh, you know. Exactly, and then each of us we build up a good sort of. Uh, a good memory ourselves of, of what different clothing looks like and I find myself half the time on the metro like sort of stirring at someone's jeans or something like that because <laughs> like the creases are particularly good for, like if you created a jean shirt for a character and they decided it was a blue jean shirt but they decided it, they wanted it to be a, a green blue jean shirt well I can do that I just sort of I decompose the thing, I, I change what needs to be changed with color correction, yeah. and then I recompose it back together, and it, uh, it looks exactly like it looked before, except for the colors change, for example. And so as a compositor, what, uh, what program do you primarily work in? It's called uh, Nuke. Nuke. Yeah, I, I, saw, I, I read that online, and I was like, yeah, you know, most, most pro software programs have names like, you know, like Premiere, or like After Effects, or like whatever, and that was just like, Nuke. You, yeah, probably the most the badass like software name I, I've come across, and it's a and what, and, even, like, and what software programs do you primarily work? Um, well, we, we have our own software. Yeah, um, that we, that's been it's built proprietary in for proprietary. The, uh, the studio. Oh yeah, yeah. But, uh, we also use uh, uh, Maya and uh, ZBrush. Okay. I don't know any of these, but maybe some brands out there yeah. know. I've heard of these. ZBrush, yeah. yeah Z ZBrush. ZBrush, ZBrush. Uh, just for those Americans out there. So this might be a dumb question, but like, okay, so when we when we mentioned how like you know people get an understanding of like the old school Disney animators are like literally like sketching and drawing on like single frames. Like, what motions are you guys doing? Like, do you have like a Wacom tablet or like some sort of tablet that you're actually oh, yeah, sketching yeah. and drawing? Or like when you're compositing, is it mostly like kind of like clicking and dragging? Like, what are your what are your artistic motions uh, as this comes together? And, and for for sculpting, um, yeah, we use a Wacom tablet yeah. because it's, it's the closest thing to like a natural motion, you know? Yeah, that you can have. And then for anything technical, all the shading we just use the mouse. Yeah, still move the mouse around. Um, yeah, that's, that's the two. That's the two main tools. So that's actually pretty close to like the old it's school. As close stuff, as we can get. Yeah, yeah. yeah. As close as we can get. Yeah. And uh, so compositing, I use a Wacom tablet too. Oh, you do. Okay. I'm more comfortable with it, but I also use the mouse. Um, yeah. Depends on what I'm doing because sometimes they ask me for stuff where I have to paint or it depends on what I'm doing. So I do use the Wacom tablet quite a bit, uh, but even for clicking, I use it. What's the best and worst part of your job? As a compositor, not necessarily at Guff. We don't yeah, get in trouble, in but general, uh, no, in general, uh, uh, best part uh, working on really, I mean, amazing shots in the film. I mean, I, I love working on amazing shots. Worst part when those. Uh, worst part is when you work on that shot for the whole film. <laughs> no, I mean like where you can't yeah. you can't get it through. I mean it's not it's not a fault of anybody. It's just sometimes there's there's um, certain things that you know you just can't get it exactly right, and it can it can go a while before you. But I mean it's perfection. We're going for perfection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so it. in the end, we usually we usually get it. It just takes a while. So I don't know. Maybe it's not that. Even there's a thing called rotoscoping. <laughs> rotoscoping is where you have to like trace around characters, like you were explaining earlier. Like Brian was explaining earlier, uh, you sort of trace things um, through many frames. Yeah. If you have to rotoscope, but we generally don't have to do that in 
animation because we have all the tools that allow us to not do that. But in like a in a feature film where it was live action, you would have to like if like the guy said, oh, we filmed him with, with eyeglasses, and actually we didn't want the eyeglasses. So you that would to... that would be a bad day for me. I think. Okay. Definitely. <laughs> so um, about you? Uh... I th well, I think for us in surfacing, I think. Our job is probably the best job in the whole company. Um, Maybe a little biased. Yeah, he's promoting. I don't know. <laughs> he's recruiting. Uh, we we take the sort of the very basic blocking like model, and we get to turn that into a finished article. You know, so we look at the uh, the concept art, and then we look at real life reference. You know, we look at like things in real life, and we try and blend a combination of uh, real life with like the, the sort of 2D concept art and it's a, it's a really interesting process. You know, trying to decide which details to include, which to remove, you know, to, it's a constant battle as to is it going to be too cartoony or too, too realistic, you know, so we're always like walking the line between the two, you know, like trying to find a good balance between realism and style, you know, style and a stylized look. You know, yeah. So it's it's really interesting. Process. So what about what your your least favorite, your worst part of your job? The worst part, um, the worst part is sometimes the supervisor will get attached. He'll see something in your character, and uh, he'll become obsessed with it. But, but he really wants to change a very specific part of it, and it's never good enough for him. And that's is sort it of because it's no, maybe it's not articulated well. The no, it's, it's not just that. It's just you can't. It's hard to be inside someone else's head and read their exact thoughts. Yeah, that's what I mean. And also, once you see it, they, you can articulate it very well, but you can sometimes and still And once you not. see a detail that you have fixed upon, if yeah. the detail doesn't go away the way you think it's going to go... That's how he thought it was going to be. Yeah. He can just torture you, like, <laughs> day after day. Why? It's not like it's not... They changed again, changed again, that, that sort of thing. Yeah. There, there's, al there's also times whenever an entire shot is just cut out of the film uh, on, a whim, on a whim by the director. He's like, right, like, this just isn't working. Let's just cut this. And so there's been times I've worked on a character right, right up and right up to the final thing, and, yeah. just, and they just decided to cut it from the film. So there's there was a scene in Despicable Me Three uh, where the three kids are in the bath, and uh, I, I sort of understand now why they cut it because you have like these naked children uh, in the bath and stuff, and yeah, yeah I, I don't know, but anyway. Um, I did like this, like really, really awesome uh, shark hat for uh, Agnes. Oh, for Agnes, one of the characters. A one hat? Uh, it was like a like a, a cap, like a, a swimming hat, you know? Yeah. To, to protect the hurt and um, had like eyeballs and stuff. Look, look really awesome, and it looked nice and wet, like it should do in the bath. And uh, they just decided, right, we can't have three children in the bath in a kid's film and naked, so we're <laughs> so going to cut it. They didn't figure that out beforehand. Uh, yeah, well, that's the thing. That's what happens when you sort of uh, you sort of change the story like, yeah. later on in the process. You know, you sort of whenever you see things visually, it sort of doesn't work as much as you thought. And yeah, you need to you need to change it up a bit. But so for you then, like, what a is there a type of surface that's the hardest for you to to work on? I, I imagine like. I don't know, fur or something is kind of challenging? Uh, well, we usually have, there's another department that does fur. Oh, yeah. really? The her the and fur specialization. department. Okay. Yeah, they, they do a lot of sort of yeah, things. For us, though, the hardest thing tends to be um, like really subtle things, like subtle changes between like uh, different types of linen. Oh, you know, okay. to sort of to differentiate. It's, it's, it's easy to, to work on like denim or like a, like a really shiny shirt or something like that because it's, it's very contrasty, you know, it's very obvious, but I think it's the subtlety is, is the hard thing, you know, just yeah. very subtle, small changes. Are all the minions like that kind of smooth surface because it was just easier to like 
I think, I, think, I think the minions were essentially they're essentially just capsules. They're what? Uh, like a capsule ship, like a pill ship. Yeah. With like arms and legs on the end. I, I, I don't know exactly like the origin of the minions. Like why? Do you know? I was just thinking about this. Like you know, maybe maybe they were just these smooth bald people because it was just gonna be easier to animate. <laughs> uh, potentially. potentially. <laughs> maybe I don't. I have no idea though background behind but it's such a bizarre thing it's it's amazing that it's just worked it's, they've just taken off so well yeah but you know you, you have to get that yellow the perfect minion color yeah. so it's it's minion not that easy yellow. I mean yeah. if you don't get that minion yellow right then you so get how it. many minion films have you worked on I just worked on Despicable Me 3 just 3 okay, okay. So, and then uh, Secret Life of Pets so, and how do you guys have any say in which film you get to work on next or we have, are you like sick of looking at the minion yellow all day you definitely have a say I mean they they, they they're, they're, very good, no, they're very good about um, uh, interviewing you at the, sort of towards the end of the film they'll interview and say you know how did it go what do you want to do next what would you prefer it doesn't mean that you're always going to get your preference but um, they'll try they try to make everything work for everybody yeah they definitely try to make everything work and I guess you guys, you guys are on three films at once, so I don't know how that works. Um, it, it works, works pretty well. It's pretty cool. So, sometimes we cross over if they really need help yeah. on, on our film. We'll go over, but um, yeah, our, our department is actually tiny compared to yeah. the rest. So okay. we're, we're pretty flexible. So like, is it fun going to like the movies and seeing like a, a scene you've like worked on for a while and like or like you know you have kids so like you're taking them as like sweet to just be like hey we're gonna go see a movie I Danny worked on you know or is it kind of like you're watching it and you're like noticing like things you wish you tweaked kind of a thing well, I always notice imperfections but uh, they invite us every year at the end of the film to go see like a family well they have either a team uh, screening or a family screening yeah. so we have the family screening we bring the kids um, get popcorn and everything the kids uh, they usually like it a lot it depends on their age um, but it actually doesn't happen too often because it takes so long yeah. for film to come together you know so yeah, it's every it's, one yeah. and a half years two years it's every two years you can go see a film with your kids yeah, yeah. and you're able to enjoy it as opposed to this well, not really. I don't think any of us can really like enjoy because you you, you see how the sausages made. Well, you see cuts of it. You see cuts of it all the time, like oh, every day. Yeah. You see the same jokes over and over and over again. But um, no, it is really cool. But whatever we see it in the cinema, that is the final. That is like the first time we see everything yeah. in sequence yeah. together. You know, so it's really cool. So you're working on the Sea Life of Pets too. Is there a scene in that that? Uh, you're allowed to tell all the Brian's out there that we can know that your handiwork is part of. If you ask, if you ask me, maybe in like six months' time, when okay. everything is in the can, <laughs> I can let you know a few Easter eggs that are that are in the film. But I can't. No, no, I can't not say for a moment. moment. Yeah, yeah okay. not this moment. Yeah. I'm assuming the same thing. I can for say uh, I can say I worked on the Grinch. Uh, the Grinch is green. That's about all I can say. <laughs> so, so if you're watching the movie and the Grinch is green, you know Brian. Brian was responsible. I definitely worked on one of those shots. <laughs> <laughs> are these are these specialized jobs specifically for animated films, or would live action films have these similar roles uh, in the no. visual effects department? Uh, you, uh, you could have the same. Yeah, Dem- well, I mean, they have live action films with. You know, of course, composite, uh, integrated 3D, and you would have exactly the same. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of overlap in the jobs, actually. Um, a lot of people have worked in both 
as well. We've worked on a mission on they've worked in visual effects yeah. as well because the pipeline is very very similar. Okay. You know, so um, basically like, but when you animate it, it's like you're, it's completely animated. Whereas in like a live action, it's just like you're. Is it yeah. mostly like specific scenes that need all? Yeah, the... you have you have like a lot of. Uh, if you drill down a bit further into animation, you have you have lots of different specific types of animator. Yeah. As well, like you have a roto animator that will um, like basically draw over the top of live action footage. Okay. Every frame, a sort of captional movement, um, and then you'll have like a three D version of that where the guy will use two yeah. D live action as reference for the animation, and then you'll have a mixture of both where you'll have hands, traditional animation mixed in. Uh, yeah. And actually, so I've worked on, not just here at uh, McGuff, but I've worked on um, other types of films where it was, um, so it was a live action where it was shot live action, but um, all the characters that were in the in the actual film were 3D, and we had to actually track the live action and create the characters on top of the, on top of the live action. So the shot behind was all live action but all the characters were 3D so you can imagine like uh, filming uh, in a bar with beers and a table and just a little guy walking around on the table and we add the little guy and we adjust the shadows and the light to make it look like he's actually in the real space yeah yeah uh, shout out to a friend of mine that's not named Brian Mathieu Ouvray but he did a show called Dabiol which is a really awesome uh, I'll have to give you a look okay yeah yeah it's a uh, it's a really awesome example of compositing with uh, live action is the overall atmosphere of the place like pretty like how would you describe it is it like a does it feel corporate? Does it feel like artistic? No, it's, it's, feel a, like it's actually it's a huge company, but there's a real sort of family-friendly feeling. Um, yeah. I think that's because maybe there's there's a certain amount of security in our in our, our films because they know that because of all the successful um, uh, IPs they set up now, you know, the successful franchises like Despicable Me, uh, Secret Life of Pets, yeah. seeing that they're very secure characters that they know they can have several sequels with. So there's not this cut cutthroat sort of uh, VFX um, mentality in animation. You know, everyone feels very secure. You know, you know there's going to be enough work for everyone for the next few years. And people tend yeah. to stay. V VFX in general is, is very cutthroat, I find. Oh, okay. Um, because uh, the, bu the budgets are always getting squeezed further and further, and people. Uh, the nature of the work is is very short-lived, you know. Yeah. So the contracts tend to be very short for two, three months like that. Whereas with us, our contracts our contracts are short, but you, you know they're, they're gonna last. You know they're gonna last year, for like a year and a half or so like that. You know, and when you're on a film, you're there for the film. Oh, so it's just like, it's like a, a film contract. It's not like a, you're a salaried employee. Yeah, yeah we do. We're contract workers. Oh, interesting. Whereas okay. uh, with with guys who work in VFX in London, for example, London's it's a really expensive city to live in. Oh yeah, yeah. So you have you have some VFX guys that live in constant fear that their contract will be extended, and these are guys that have traveled from all around the world to work in London, and they might lose their job next week because their job isn't you know their contract isn't secure, and how are they going to pay their nine hundred? On rent or whatever, you know. Yeah. So, luck certainly creates an element of stress for, for those guys. Do you have any advice for any Brian's out there that would maybe want to work in uh, Illuminate, uh, Guff, or this industry in general? I, I think one of the most important things is to try and discover what you like most, like as early as you can, because um, a lot of times when showreels come in from students, um, they will have a lot of different types of things on the showreel, like they'll have a bit of maudlin. Yeah, they're too broad. Super they're far, far too broad. If, like, if you can decide early, 
uh, what, which, which department you want to work in, and even what style you like working in, yeah. I, I think it, it really, really helps. Like, if you can sort of, obviously you don't want to niche down too far, too early, because you, you don't know what you like yet, yeah. but the earlier you can do that, the better, I think, and the more valuable you'll be to any company. And definitely, recruiters are looking for more um, experience in a certain... Like specialized you know, Specialized thing. They're not looking for, I mean, it could happen, but they're not looking for a broad spectrum, people who have, you know, all these different talents. They're really looking for, you know, if they're looking for a, a surfacer or a compositor or a lighter, they really want the lighter to be, like, yeah. you know, prominent in the showroom. Like, yeah. they don't want to see that you've done everything yet. So how did you guys decide on your specific specialties? Or end up in your. <laughs> I honestly fell into it. So uh, my wife works for a television station. So she works in the field of uh, images and things like that. Um, and so we had a lot of people worked in those fields, and I had already sort of dabbled in it. And so I just sort of fell fell into it. I started working in commercials, and then yeah. then on little TV series, and on films, and so. I just, I fell into it, I literally <laughs> fell into it, and I'm really lucky. It doesn't really happen like that very often. But now you're like set on your, you like compositing, and that's like, you, you're yeah, great. Yeah, 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 I've been in it for, it's been about uh, nine years, eight, nine years that I've been compositing, so. Even though, even though Brian says surfacing is the best, the best. It, it is the best. <laughs> is that why you, you, you specialize in um, surfacing? Yeah, I, did, I didn't start on surfacing. Um, I started working in computer games for about five, six years. I say computer games. Specifically, I worked on uh, gambling, arcade yeah. machines. Mm -hmm. So you know those machines that like they have games that are really addictive and people keep putting their money in. Yeah. So I worked on those for about five six years, <laughs> and um, we actually had to sign a disclaimer for that job, saying if we were ethically okay with like doing such an awful job, you know. That type of thing. So, but anyway, I was keen to move on from that, and I moved into uh, commercials, you know, TV commercials, and I progressed into film. Um, and then from that, I made the transition from London over to Paris uh, yes. to, to work in animation. And I, I, I like throughout. Yeah. So where were you originally from? We can go back I'm from, a little from bit. Ireland. From Ireland, yeah. Ireland, yeah. So, where, where in Ireland? Uh, from the north of Ireland, from Belfast. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So, so, so you, 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 you feel like you're at home in this? Uh, we found an Irish pub in, uh, in Paris. That's <laughs> good. It says Scotland up there, but. Uh, Okay. I guess it says Celtic. I don't know. Yeah. This is our natural habitat. This is our natural habitat. Yeah. Where the beer flows. Yeah. Casual alco alcoholism is okay. So you went from Belfast to London, uh, Paris. Yeah. Okay. Well, actually, from Belfast to York, um, Old York. Oh, uh, Old York. Oh, York. In, in the north of England. So yeah. London. Yeah. And then London, and then Paris. Yeah. And what about your 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 path here? Uh, yeah. Born in Illinois, raised in Arizona, California, and Hawaii. Yeah. Uh, University of Illinois for architecture. Uh, when I was 18, I actually moved over to France for a study abroad in architecture. Met my wife uh, on my study abroad year. We well, said she was French. She's French. Ah, uh, shout out to Virginie, uh, <laughs> <laughs> my wife. And um, uh, and then I moved back to the United States for one year. Decided that it was great in France. Came back to France. Finished architecture in France. Became an architect in France. Worked in France as an architect. 
and then threw it all away and became a compositor on great films like Secret Life of Pets. And, uh, so, do you know French? Like, do you have to speak French uh, there? I think, I think we know, uh, like, I, I know enough French to <laughs> basically survive, like, pretty much. Yeah. Um, I, I sort of feel like my level of French is like a footballer that's been sent away to play at a foreign team for maybe three years. Like, he knows just enough to do, like, a, a very basic TV interview, you know, and, like, listen to his coaches and stuff. And that's sort of my level, like, really. But is this, like, the, are, are, are you expected to speak French at the yeah. company? Yeah, pretty much with our colleagues and with the production supervisor. Oh, so you guys um, are, well, like, decently fluent enough. Well, I'm working. I'm fluent. I, I went through five years of architecture school here in uh, French. Okay, yeah. So, like, no English uh, in the school. Nobody was speaking English to me. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm fluent. But I will say, my accent sucks. And so, <laughs> I can't get around it. I can't get rid of it. I'm not really <laughs> trying to. But... But um, I am often, people are like, oh, that's cute, your accent, and I'm like, all right. But um, I definitely can't get rid of the accent, but I, I'm completely fluent. My kids, I have two kids, yeah. are French and American, and so they're, they actually started correcting me this year. Uh, My son, who just turned seven, he'll be like, oh, you said, uh, instead of un, for a certain thing, because they have feminine and masculine. Yeah. I do have a Brian... Uh, story. Well, no, just a thing that French people do yeah. for Brian's. You know this too. Oh, gotcha. Is that um, yeah. whenever you they ask you what your name is because you're like they know you're English or American because they hear your accent when you're speaking French. Yeah. Oh, what's your name? And you go, Oh, my name is Brian. Yeah. And they go, Oh, are you in the kitchen? Yep, yep. The bartender uh, did that yeah, to me he here. Did that yeah. to you. Okay, so yeah. that's because when they learn. English in their French school books, yeah. Brian is always in the kitchen. And so they say, where is Brian? Brian is in the kitchen. And so every single time, like, I think I've lived here for 17 years in France, and I think I've probably been asked that question about 4,000 times. Jeez. Oh, yeah. Seriously. And I'm sure you've had that oh, question. I've, I've been with my French girlfriend for over 10 years, Yeah. for like 11 years. And uh, I've had that the whole time with her she family. She says that every day that you wake up. It's, it's ridiculous. Ryan, are you in the yeah. kitchen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. And it seems to never get old. It's uh, like a joke yeah. they use over and over. Oh, no, yeah. I, I've been hearing it since I've been here, too, pretty much yeah. everywhere yeah. I go. It's like, and I guess it's because of that. There's like a stand comedian, Gadam Malay, that like did a famous, uh, yeah, he did like a famous bit on it. Yeah. But there's, a, there's even a restaurant called Brian is in the Kitchen, like near the Louvre. And there's like the ad campaigns in the subways right now uh, for Deadpool, the, the sequel. There's some posters that just say, uh, like, that have like on the poster that just say, the Deadpool is not in the kitchen. <laughs> I'm like crossing, like, it's just like, it's like crazily popular here. It makes no know. sense. So, all Brian's, if you ever come to France, you need to be aware of this. <laughs> When you say Je m'appelle Brian, you're gonna get oh, but Brian, why aren't you in the kitchen? Oh no, they if they if they actually catch you in the kitchen, they will lose their shit because <laughs> you've you've just like realized you know their, their inner thoughts they've had for like so long. <laughs> okay, so let's uh, let's get into the Brian questions now. Do you know why your parents named you Brian? Uh, no, I have no idea. My my one side of my family's Irish, the other side's Mexican. Uh, nobody in my family's named Brian other than me, so it's not like a passed down heritage or anything like that. I have no idea. Um, I, I think because because like I'm from like an Irish Catholic family, and yeah, there's like eight of us, you know, kids. I'm like, the, and I'm near the end of that. I'm the second last one. So all the kids at the beginning had like really meaningful names, like uh, my, 
my eldest brother was named after my dad, and then his second name is like my granddad. So, you know, really deep things. Like, I'm the same with my older sisters, but when it eventually went along the line to me, I think I. Yeah, you, you I have to pick something. like named after someone in the street or something. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, okay, so you know why it was named with the, an I versus a, a Y? Because that's the correct way, I think. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I just think assholes are named with a Y. Like so, it's a main thing. Like so, if you sort of think your kids will be an asshole, you use the Y form. For y versus I in Ireland. Do you know it's more like is there a decent amount of Y brains as well? Not really. It's it's mainly I. It's mainly it's I and I. I. Like like I said, it'll either either be some sort of asshole will have the Y. Like sorry, either an American guy or an English guy who's over in Ireland, like yeah. visiting or something. So uh, what are your siblings' names? Where does like Brian fit? Uh, Brian is the oldest. Yeah. Uh, Jeffrey is the second oldest, and Kevin is the third oldest. So, but what's funny is so all Kevin is kind of part of that trend of uh, Irish names in that in, in our generation. Yeah. Uh, Michael, yeah, Michael's going Michael's loads of Michaels. Yeah. Yeah. Sean's, Patrick's. But but what's funny is so I don't know if they did this on purpose, but my dad so he named. Everybody, like, I'm Brian Jeffrey Padilla. My dad is William Jeffrey Padilla. Yeah. Uh, my brother is Jeffrey William Padilla. Yeah. And my other brother is Kevin Michael Padilla. And, and the Padilla. No, no other Brian's, though. There, there was no Brian's <laughs> and all that. I don't know how I got the Brian and nobody else got the Brian. You got lucky. That's how. <laughs> I'm, I'm number seven. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's seven, right. The Catholic. Seven kid, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, the first one was Thomas, named after my dad, which is so typical in Ireland. It's, it's so annoying. It creates so much, so many complications. Which one? Which Thomas? Yeah, and the big one or Little the small Thomas. one. And then if the small one grows up to be bigger than the big one, then there's this confusion. And it's just, you don't need a life of that, because that's what's going to happen. Yeah. Better so, to have a life of Brian. I, I was really, I was really, yeah, I was really keen to not do that. I, I want to stop the, the chain. You know, right now. So my son isn't called Brian. He's he's called Jack. Later my on. son is not has no name that I've ever. It's Emil James Padilla. There's nobody in my family named James. Nobody named Emil. Yeah, Just, uh, I, I wanted to like a because like there wasn't much thought put into my name. Um, I sort of wanted to pass that on to my son, so my son has like, we just made up with, like some crazy names for my son because um, my partner, she wanted him to have the initials JFK, um, so we called him Jack, Finn, uh, Kendrick, because we didn't want to call him Kevin. So is he like a JFK fan? or like? Not really. He's, she just thought that would be cool. Yeah, he's like maybe one of my top five presidents, but not even number one. Like he's up there. Of but course, uh, number one is who? I can't say, I can't say not really. <laughs> oh, that's, that's a different bug. <laughs> it could drastically change the direction. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's changing every day. <laughs> all right, all right. Two part question: uh, Dead or alive? One other Brian to meet and favorite Brian of all time? I think probably like the best Brian is Brian Blessed. Really, because I mean he's like all us Brian's. That's who we looked up to for guidance. That's it's interesting in the UK because yeah. like, I didn't really know about him until Brian I started Blessed. doing this project. Yeah, he's our main reference. Oh, Brian who? Blessed. Like, Brian Blessed. He's like this super jolly like Ingr like uh, British know. actor. I don't know who this is. Yeah, yeah, he knew Flash Gordon. Oh, yeah. He was like the Birdman. Okay. Flash Gordon. That's all you need to know really. Like, yeah. Forget everything else. He was the Birdman. He was like super jolly. I mean, he would be great to me. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Brian Erlacher. There we go. Oh, he's yeah, the yeah. boss. Brian Erlacher. I'm from Chicago, so I have to represent. 
Ryan Erdocker was a was a monster of the midway. I don't know if you watch American football, but uh, it's, uh, he was he was crazy. Uh, so that that's a I would love to meet Ryan Erdocker. Meet one of my favorite man. Favorite. I do like. Are you talking about Brian the dog from Family Guy? Yeah. Yeah, I, I like Brian the dog. From Family Guy. <laughs> All right, was that? Uh, maybe. Oh, Brian like Cranston too. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I'd have to meet him, and he's one of my favorites too. Sorry. Okay. So he's both meat and favorite. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And he's a wide Brian though. That's all right. That's all right. He he did Breaking Bad, so. Yeah. He's bra- he's breaking all the barriers. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm thinking maybe Brian Cox. Cox. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the- the so he's, yeah, it's interesting. He's another like UK like super popular Brian. He's just I risen. Really he's just risen the profile of our name beyond that of the sort of basic retard like uh, sort of level. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. He's elevating us. You yeah. know, I, I sort of feel if Brian Gosling had been called Brian Gosling, like a lot more women would want to want to be Yeah, Brian. definitely. Yeah. Okay, so I have a Brian trivia question. You guys already answered it. The, I had two because the, the first one I had to ask the people in France was like. Where is Brian? He's in the kitchen. You guys got it already. He's in the kitchen. Okay, so you might know this, but since we're in Europe, I was like, this is another person I didn't know about until I started looking into this project some more. And like, which Brian? Let's ask you first to see if you know. Because you might, you probably know. Um, I don't know much about rugby, but uh, which Brian is regarded as one of the greatest rugby players of all time? Uh, you're gonna know this. I don't know this. You don't know. Do you need a hint? Uh, like he kept in, he kept in Ireland from 2003 to 2012 and was abducted into the World Rugby Hall of Fame in 2016. Uh, Brian, Brian O'Driscoll? Yes. Brian O'Driscoll? yes. That, that was on the tip of my tongue, actually. I don't know why. Yeah, so apparently he's a super... I don't know much about rugby. I feel like I've gotten like more familiar with like soccer or football or someone calls it you know, to an adequate degree, but I just don't know much about rugby at all. Um, okay, harder question. You had to choose a first name other than Brian, what would it be? Putting you on the spot. Uh, Emil, my son, Emil. Emil okay. Yeah. And when, when I was younger, I, I used to I used to think it'd be really cool to be called maybe Spider. Spider. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't I don't know why, but... Spider, I mean, that's a, that's a pretty awesome alternative name. I have yeah, heard yeah. that one before. Just like an idiot. You'll always be an idiot's punk. Like, you know. Okay, so looking back at the Brian's you met in your life, um, do you believe there's any shared common personality traits or characteristics of, of all these Brian's that you've met in your life? Generally, have maybe bigger heads, maybe? Bigger heads? Yeah. Oh, okay. wow. And they're definitely, like, really, really cool guys. I mean, that I mean, goes yeah, without yeah. saying. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so bigger heads, cool guys. Um, overall, would you say being a Brian's been a plus or a minus in your life? Definitely plus, yeah. Plus, yeah, okay. definitely plus for me yeah. too. Okay. Any memorable instances of your name being misspelled Brain? Oh yeah, Brain. Very often. Yeah, that's happened quite a bit, but I don't know. Memorable. Memorable. Like anything that like, sticks out is like kind of like uh, like a devastating incident. No, the, the worst thing is whenever someone does it and you correct them and they yeah. keep they keep doing it as well, <laughs> and it becomes awkward, so you stop correcting them, and, and you don't know if they're doing it on purpose. And you just go along with it. I think that goes sick. back to the big head thing. Yeah. <laughs> let's just okay. So let's just end with uh, any message now. Uh, each of you would like to say to uh, all the Brian's out there. Uh, stay cool. <laughs> Don't worry about your big head. And uh, and um, if you come to France, uh, be ready for people asking you if you're in the kitchen or not. 
That's all I can say. For sure. For sure. Um, I would say, don't name your children Brian, but tell tell your child to name his child Brian, so we can sort of keep our yeah. just keep ourselves alive. <laughs> All right, thanks guys for doing this. That was awesome.